What's up, everybody? I'm Mike Cosbon, and with me, as always, is Jordan Belitsky. That is me. And Aaron Blauchuk. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and you are listening to part four of episode seven of the VGM Generations podcast, where we are going through our favorite, uh, some of our favorite, I should say, covers and remixes. And uh, I guess it's back to me to start over again, because we made an entire loop. I don't like any of the songs I picked. <laughs> oh, well, that's too bad because we're, we're on the last. You mentioned it the last part of the episode. All right, week four. Come on. All right, but uh, yeah. So it's back to me uh, for my last pick, and my last pick is by an artist called Gabe Ocarina ninety six. So this is obviously <laughs> how I, convenient that his middle name is Ocarina. Yeah, that's this is insane. obvious. This is obviously I made a Twitter or I made a YouTube page. I didn't think it would go anywhere, so I just picked all lowercase <laughs> Gabe Ocarina and a number. But anyway, probably uh, the year he was born. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, actually, probably. Uh, but uh, the actual guy's name is Gabriel ooh. Ocarina. Plor- Didn't Ocarina of Time come out in ninety six? Yeah, so probably yeah, ninety six. Yeah. Ocarina, yeah. So Gabriel Plordu, I'm gonna say. Plordu. Uh, and uh, we're going back to a game we already mentioned, but uh, we're going back to Wind Waker, and the track is the Great Sea. So, um, this guy I just came across just a couple of months ago, and uh, actually I came across him be- when we were getting ready for our Rare podcast, because he is a great lover of Rare, and um, uh, he's done, he did a Rare medley, and it was all covers that he had done himself, and he's just this like 19-year-old kid from New Brunswick, Canada, a little Canadian pride in the podcast, <laughs> and uh, he makes all of his videos just in his room, and like he's got the cleanest room ever for a 19-year-old, it's crazy. And uh, he plays all the instruments himself. Super talented, like just crazy talented kid. So he's the next Biebs, you could say. I don't think so, <laughs> but uh, I don't think so. But he's got a Patreon page out there. So uh, if you go and you listen to his stuff and you want to support him, all all of his Patreon goals are just so he can get better stuff for his videos. So he wants like a better camera. He wants a better uh, drum synthesizer program so he can make the drums sound better. He's just out there trying to make better and better music. And he's just, Clearly just doing it for the love of it. But he's he's a super talented kid, plays just a great guitar player. So and he does his own he does his own arrangements of this of these pieces and stuff. So uh this is an arrangement of the Great Sea from the uh Wind Waker and uh let's have a listen.
Was the original composer of this song Koji Kondo? Or was it somebody else? I don't know. Koji's typically the Zelda guy, but not I don't always think Koji the Zelda did guy. the Wind Waker soundtrack. No? I think he contributed on him, and he may have like he may have specifically contributed on this track. Because there's something about this particular track out of the whole soundtrack that it doesn't matter what kind of cover or remix you listen to. It inspires the same feeling of just like freedom and soaring across the ocean. Exactly. That I absolutely love. And that just attributes to the quality of the original composition. Which is why I would suspect that Koji Kondo actually did work on this track because this is, this is the defining track from Wind Waker. And this is the defining moment where you finally get on that boat and you're sailing across the ocean and the spray is coming up. And this song is playing where you're just this, this is a great cover. I've heard a lot of covers and every cover and remix I get the same emotion from the original. It's just yeah. fantastic song. Yeah. Actually, yeah, he is. A, I just quickly looked it up and he is mentioned. And actually, another guy I didn't know, Kenta Nagata, who was in our um, racing games podcast. He was oh, yeah. the big, he's the big Mario Kart guy who did Mario Kart 64. Cool. He's also part of the, uh, part of the team. Awesome. It's always like, uh, you know, the song from a Zelda game where you're in the overworld is yeah. always needs to be a big yeah. song. Yeah. And that was the one for that, for that one that really made that game. And it did, suddenly makes me think of like the worst Zelda game, which is spirit tracks. And yeah. How we've, mentioned, we've mentioned this before. One right? redeeming feature was <laughs> the overworld theme, for yeah. Spirit tracks, yeah. which was really good. Theme, oh yeah. Man. It is a fantastic one. And it, 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 it perfectly encap- encapsulates the uh, feeling of like riding on a train and it just makes you want to like, Blow the whistle, yeah. and, you know, <laughs> no, put on yeah. your little engineer's hat. But, but no, totally. Yeah, I'm just going to echo exactly what you said. But yeah, that getting in the boat for the first time, putting out the sail and just, yeah. and you're off and it's just like, ah, so good. <laughs> it's a good feeling. <laughs> Which makes me really sad that I bought that uh, HD remake of Wind Waker. Yeah. And haven't beat it? Haven't beat it yet. No. Have you played it? I have played it. Yeah. I played it actually quite far. I beat like the first three dungeons and okay. then stopped. But I want to go back to it. It's yeah. just you know, too many games to play. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I actually did the exact same thing. Um, I don't know if I'd be the exact same amount of dungeons, yeah. but I played it for a bit and then stopped, but I, I am going to go back. And it's, it, oh my God, that game's gorgeous. Oh, that yeah. HD remake is so good looking. And it's mostly to me, it's the urgency of a download game. Like if I have a physical copy of a game, I <laughs> feel weird, like I have eh? to play it. But if it's just a downloadable title, it yeah. holds less weight, right? And that yeah. because I got it digitally, yeah, that's exactly what happened. Yeah, I, I have the, uh, I got the special edition Wii U and it was, free included yeah. it, but as a download right so so since you've played probably more wind waker and twilight princess than the rest of us uh as far as the remakes go does wind waker look better as a I remake than, than must, twilight princess it was a GameCube you know game well, I, yeah i mean that's a big thing i mean they were both leap. gamecube games they're both gamecube exactly. games so twilight and were, princess and, and they were both remade for the wii u with updated graphics but sort I, of i think you know while i like the uh, Twilight Princess upgrade, uh, I do think Wind Waker looks better just because yeah. it uh, it added a lot of things. It basically just made the whole world crisper, more vibrant, gave you the widescreen that it didn't have before. It also um, it also added bloom to the lighting, which yeah, wasn't there that's before. what I noticed. And it was that was a big boost actually to the overall yeah. visuals in that. And game. I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think they called Wind Waker like a remaster, and they called um twilight princess like yeah twilight princess it was like just hd like a 
upgrade or something yeah. like that. Yeah, like well, I feel like more work was put into well, Wind Waker. Oh yeah, absolutely. It feels like that because when you look at Twilight Princess, the biggest thing is just they replaced all the textures with uncompressed high res versions of the textures. Yeah, exactly. They didn't do a lot in the way of model work. They did actually do some some minor minor smoothing mm-hmm. to some of the models, but it's not a really a noticeable improvement. Yeah. Not in the way that it's an improvement in Wind Waker. Wind Waker. Plus, and because I think the smoothing of models makes more sense in Twilight Princess. Like, it, it's more noticeable just because of the style. Yeah. In Wind Waker, they didn't have to yeah. do any of that because the art style already dictated... It held yeah. up better. Yeah, the angles. Like, yeah. if they had tried to smooth it, it wouldn't have made any sense in Wind Waker. So. Yeah, that was the, totally what I was going to say. Cell-shaded graphics sort of hold up a little bit nicer than Twilight Princess back yeah. in the day on yeah. the GameCube, yeah. And well, it was also, a beautiful game when it came out, and it's just an even more beautiful game in the HD remakes. All, yeah. all cell-shaded stuff always holds up really well. Yeah. <laughs> you find that across a lot of different games. Like I go back and play like the Wii and stuff. And it's like some of it, you know, some of it you're like, oh, it's a little rough and SD and stuff. And then you go play uh Dragon Ball Z Budokai Tenkaichi 2. And uh you're like, and I killed that pronunciation, everybody. <laughs> no, that, that's how I would have said it. Uh, it's but, probably still wrong, but, but uh <laughs> but uh like that's game sell shit and you're like, damn, this game looks good. And yeah. it's a Wii game. Yeah. I, I it all comes down to art direction. Absolutely. Totally. Every time that a game with good art direction, even if it's an old game, will still sort of shine through, right? Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. All right, Jordan. My my last pick for the month. All right. Jumping into a game that we haven't talked about yet in this this podcast ever, uh, Donkey Kong Country, (laughs) by a composer we've never, I don't think we've ever talked about, David Wise. Um, Who is that? Yeah. So it's an Don- unfamiliar name to us and our <laughs> listeners. <laughs> our one listener. The original Donkey Kong soundtrack was composed by David Wise, Evelyn Fisher, and Robin Beanland of Rare. Um, I want to talk about a very unknown... It's... Literally, it's just a guy that posted a video on YouTube that I could not find for the life of me any other connections to him. I don't know his name. I don't know him on any other social media form other than just this one single video he posted on YouTube. But it is, to me, it is very impressive because it encapsulates the, the emotion that the original version of the song was striving for. Uh, I think most people that have played Donkey Kong Country will remember the water level. Um, The theme to that was called aquatic ambience and it's a, very atmospheric, very chill song. An ambient track. It's a very aquatic <laughs> ambient song. Um, so the remixer, his name is Higgy, uh, spelled H1GGY. And I, I swear I couldn't find anything else about this guy. He does the entire, uh, it's a cover. He does the entire cover on an instrument called the Chapman Stick. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> and I wasn't really familiar with the Chapman stick um, until just slightly before I found this song. And I swear, I think I found this cover because I was trying to figure out what the hell a Chapman stick was. And for those that don't know, the Chapman stick is a string instrument like a guitar or a bass, um, but it actually has 12 strings. Six of them are bass and six are melody strings. And they're all on the same on the same neck of the same instrument. So, so do you pluck it or bow it? You pluck. Uh, well, 
pluck it, hammer it, you press mm. down on, on the frets. Yeah. There's no, um, strumming. It's uh -huh. all just plucking down uh -huh. on the, yeah, it's on the neck. Basically hammered. Yeah. Hammer everything. And, um, the way it vibrates, it sort of, um, plays out as if mm. you were strumming it, depending on how long you hold it down or whatnot. Uh, I'm no expert on the Chapman stick, but I came across this not because of looking for video game music, but because I was trying to figure out what the Chapman stick was because <laughs> of, I fell down the rabbit hole of YouTube and I learned about the Chapman stick and I'm like, this is a really neat instrument. Find like and a theremin cover or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> and that, and, and one of, if you, if you YouTube Chapman stick, uh, one of in the top 10, um, you'll actually find this, uh, most likely you'll find this cover of uh, Donkey Kong Country Aquatic Ambience. So um, it's just Higgy all by himself. He's the only person who owns he's a Chapman stick. He's the only stick. person. He no. made it. Yeah. <laughs> Unlike Higgy Chapman. Higgy Chapman. <laughs> he's, he's playing all the melody and bass on one instrument at the exact same time. Um, so everything you hear in this song is just coming out live from one person. Uh, so let's take a listen. This is the very ambient sounding, aquatic sounding, aquatic ambience <laughs> by Higgy, Donkey Kong Country. Let's go. Thank you. 
said that this instrument takes like an amazing amount of skill to play mm -hmm. because you have to like your hand. It's kind of like a piano, but it's harder. Mm -hmm. If you know how to play the guitar and you know how to play the bass, a little bit similar, and you move to the Chapman stick, it's not the same because the way that the yeah. notes um, are laid out are laid out along the neck is different. They yeah. increase a little differently, so you have to. Re and also, your hands are in different positions. Yeah, and you're uh, and with the same hand. Uh, no, you're playing with two hands on the neck. Yep. So mm. it's a totally different way of, of playing. So you have like to I like think basically separate your left hand and your right hand in such a way like you got to separate your brain. brain is like, yeah, 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 totally. Almost like one hand is bass and one is, is melody and you're going at the same time and all you're doing is hammering down the neck of this instrument. That's why <laughs> I can barely sing and play rock band at the same time. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, That's so why not a lot of people can, like I can play barely this instrument. That's why you don't hear about it very much is because yeah. it's, takes such an insane degree of skill to play. Well, I listened to this track beforehand and I didn't realize that it was, there's no mixing on this. Basically no. just one guy playing live. One guy going live. Yeah. yeah. It's definitely worth uh, watching the video. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh good, good on you, Higgy Chapman. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, if, if he's our one listener, he's going to be so <laughs> upset. <laughs> well, and the thing I want to say about him is that, Almost all the comments in his in his one single YouTube video Does that he, he only posted. Does he one video on his channel? One video that he posted in 2012. He hasn't even responded to a single comment. It was almost like he did this for himself. He posted it for maybe like one or two family members mm -hmm. and just kind of like effed off and was He's like, a ghost. Right. And, and little did he know if he were to ever come back and check his YouTube account that he has hundreds of thousands of people that are asking him <laughs> to do more songs and like but Higgy's been up. dead for 10 years. Yeah, well, that's, that's what I'm worried <laughs> yeah, yeah. about now. Um, but like the kind of music, how many views does the video have? Is I, it like I couldn't millions? tell you it, not millions, but a lot considering he only has one video. It's, yeah, it's, it's quite a, a bit. Yeah. And, um, if you, like I said earlier, if you type in Chapman stick, not that a lot of people are looking at that instrument up, but he's in the top 10 hmm. and, um, just listening to the style of this song, like, you can picture something like Echo the Dolphin or totally, something yeah. else yeah, is yeah. so totally like underwater sort of. Well, he has a lot of echo yeah. on the recording. It's like the hidden underwater level to Journey. Yeah, sort of. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe this is what Abzu sounds like. <laughs> but I'd be I, okay with that. I, a lot of emotion is drawn from this cover. It's, it's a beautiful song. Mm. This is a great cover. Yeah, it's beautiful. And not that we have the power to draw more fans to Higgy because we're probably about as, as well known as Higgy, but. <laughs> if you're listening to us, listen to Higgy. H1GGY. That's Higgy on YouTube. How long ago did you say that? Uh, 2012, 2012. He four posted years? it. 12, yeah. And he hasn't even uh, responded to a single comment. Mm -hmm. I think he just purely posted want, it for like, I want to. I want us to do like a, like a investigative journalism on Higgy. Yeah. So here's the thing is like you see him playing this instrument, right? Yeah. So you see Higgy. You know what he looks like. Yes. It's not just like no. him from the so, neck down. So here's, here's what happened. There's a Higgy on Twitter, by the way. I just yes. looked it up. Okay. Different okay. dude. Yes, different dude because okay. I've done the work. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not a scrub. I, I looked at his face in the video, even though it's slightly uh, blended between this and footage of Donkey Kong Country. You did a reverse play. image search. And I, uh, I looked up Higgy on all social media devices. Do not continue to search through the threads of Higgy on Twitter <laughs> because I was looking at this, this Higgy on Twitter at work 
and oh, there's some bad. not safe for work <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> footage. Um, anyways, I couldn't oh, find. That's where Higgy transferred his yeah, career to. I, yeah, that's why we never heard from him. Yeah. But because because you could see Higgy in his uh, YouTube video, I couldn't find anything that confirmed Higgy outside of his YouTube channel. There's mm. other Higgies out there that are not the same. Mm-hmm. So that was the end of Higgy. Higgy's How many people play Chapman stick in the world though? We should be able to just narrow it down that way. It's like yeah, 20 well, guys. Go to the one store that sells it yeah. and say, who bought your Chapman yeah. stick? Do you know a guy <laughs> named Higgy? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So uh, Aaron, that's back to you. Oh pick. yeah. Am I the last? Last pick. Oh, okay. Of, of the last part. Of last pick. Is, all right. Now I'm going to say this is, um, this is a classic game. This is a game that's also celebrating its 30th <laughs> anniversary. <laughs> Surprise! (laughs) (laughs) The game is called Metroid, and this track is actually from the very first Metroid. There you go. The very first NES Metroid. And it's uh, the track is called Space Pirates because space pirates are awesome. And they're in the game. And they're in the game. It's weird that, you know, they're they're space pirates, yet they're like big bugs. They look kind yeah, of like... Yeah, the space yeah. pirates are sort of the, the xenomorph type alien creatures. Yeah. They're space pirates, but they're they're an alien race, I guess. Yeah, but like the weird, whole but race have is like, pirates. They have like like weird praying mantis claws instead of hands. How do they fly ships and do space pirate things? Alien technology, bro. I guess so. Anyway, uh, this, <laughs> <laughs> this, um, this track, Space Pirates, is actually a... Uh, a remix of or a recomposition of the end theme that plays at the very end when you beat the game. So when everything is revealed and you uh, learn that Samus's secret identity and the credits play, and, and it's all a girl. Oh, shit. oh yeah, <laughs> that's a, that's a pretty big moment though. A lot yeah, of people yeah. thought uh, Samus was a dude because actually I believe I could be wrong, but I believe the instruction booklet said specifically it was a dude. Absolutely right. Yes, referred to as a he in the instruction manual, and that's why it was such a big reveal yeah. at the very end. If that was could. that was. <laughs> that was a masterful move by uh, Nintendo there. Brilliant, brilliant. And uh, this arrangement uh, was done by Vert, who is, as we've mentioned in previous ones, Jake Kaufman, who's done one um, previous ones that I've uh, shown in the back. He did like the DuckTales remastered HD soundtrack. Shovel Knight. Shovel Knight he did. He did also uh, uh, Shantae and the Pirate's Curse. And, oh, actually, the whole Shantae series. But, uh, Another so, favorite of the podcast. Uh, yeah, and that's, so this is Jake Kaufman. This is going a little bit outside of his regular style. This is um, a disco-themed version of I the track. disco. Disco. And uh, I really wanted to go with my tracks for this whole entire episode to be all over the place. So, like, you know, there's a dubstep, there's an acoustic, and now we're going disco, disco. <laughs> for some reason. And, uh, this, Panic at the disco. And this has a very similar sound to uh, it. I'm going to go to a track that people have probably heard but may not know much about. But after Star Wars came out in the late 70s, um, there was a guy, and a... Uh, uh, recording artist named Mecco and Mecco was sort of a disco artist of the day. And he came out, he heard the song uh, to star Wars and absolutely had to make a disco version of it. So he contacted all the right people, eventually released it. And it became this massive, massive hit. The it's the disco version of the star Wars theme song. (laughs) It's the right time, right place. Right time, right place. And I I can't, if you probably heard it somewhere before, it'd be hard to get through life and not have heard it (laughs) in the background or on something somewhere. But this (laughs) hard to get through life. It it is hard to get through life, but I don't see how you could like live in a pop culture world and not have heard like the disco version of star Wars at some point in your existence. But, uh, Clearly, Vert was inspired by that Mecco sound because this has got everything in there, like 
the sort of laser sounds because it's got the sci-fi sort of theme. Well, it's another so, spacey theme, yeah, right? Exactly. So it totally so works. It, yeah. it totally fits into that sci-fi sort of thing. And uh, like uh, keeping consistent with the theme of all my other artists, uh, that Jake Kaufman, as a high school dropout, also had no formal music experience as well. So that's crazy. Everybody on my list is like never, never no had training. any training. And I couldn't learn actually much about this specific track. It's just, it, it was on his old site and I must have downloaded it years and years ago. But trying to go to his old site today, I tried to click on there and it just goes to. Uh, the page is just an image of his tiny dog sitting on the couch, cradling a stuffed Heineken. So I couldn't <laughs> actually go to his page and, and learn anything about the track because it, apparently it's gone. Is it, it's changed. Is there any way to get the track anymore? I I didn't actually search for the track outside of his official page. Okay. So I'm sure. Maybe this is the only way. <laughs> you must listen to VGM Generations I'm, to hear this track. Though I am willing to bet that I'm not the only person who downloaded this this track. I, I remember downloading a few things off of Vert's. Um, Way to ruin the majesty, the, at the dude. time. <laughs> okay, let's, for sure the sake of, you know, yeah. mystery no, and no, magic. I'm sure somebody else has. I've got it. That means I've also got the only other version of other things he did. He did an 8-bit version of Thriller that I grabbed at the same time. Oh, so Michael guys. Jackson's Thriller that was all done in 8-bit, which is also really good. Because um, I can almost still, believe that, not that you're the only one, but that this stuff is hard to find because maybe it was early days for him and he was he didn't have any rights. Yeah. And now he's famous and people are going back through his stuff saying, what can we sue you for? You know what I mean? Like this, this, this happens. That's possible. So, Cause I mean, yeah. now he's, now he's a known game composer. Exactly. Right? So yeah. Actually composing for, for uh, games that are being released on Nintendo systems. So exactly. maybe under a little bit of closer scrutiny for that reason. That makes sense. Yeah. So without further ado, this is Vert's Space Pirates, the ending theme to Metroid. Like I have a 
quite a number of covers of this specific track, and it's always my favorite. Like on every Metroid remix track, I think I like this one the best. So uh, Metroid Metal, if you know the Metroid Metal soundtrack, Harmony of a Hunter, which is another um, yeah, okay. or orchestral themed one. But every single time I have any Metroid remixes, this is the track that always stands out for yeah. me. Yeah, back to super funky music. We haven't had funk was a was a <laughs> was a term brought up in like the first two episodes of this podcast quite a bit, but. Uh, that's the funkiest song we've had in a while. <laughs> well, I, I was trying to bring the funk with the uh, Beetle Adventure racing tracks. Yeah. And they're, that, yeah, that's they're pretty true. funky Those for, are super for funky. N64 yeah. stuff, but this basically takes that exact same instrumentation that you'd expect from cliche 70s disco, yeah. disco <laughs> kind of stuff. Yeah, it's a good track, though. You could get down. You could boogie. Oh, yeah. That's totally. I could see that playing in the disco clubs of Europe. Yep. <laughs> not that I, you know, <laughs> you're there all the time. Not that I lived during that that's period. That's your frequent sure, the disco sure. uh, But yeah, so. Um, on the note of Metroid? On the note of Metroid. <laughs> Jump right into it. The giveaway? The giveaway. Uh, what? Metroid? That's what you were talking about? Oh. Oh, it's so mysterious. I wasn't talking about Barker Bill's trick shooting on the Nintendo. Yeah, that's another great game. But <laughs> the giveaway for this month is... The original Metroid Prime on GameCube. It's uh, those tiny discs that the GameCube had. Complete baby discs. Complete copy. You get the instruction booklet, so you can flip through and you know look at pretty pictures and all that goodness. Say, does say Samus is a he in that instruction? No, not in this one. No. (laughs) And we were talking about games that uh, you know earlier games that hold up really well because of good art direction. Metroid Prime. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. Games. Great game. What's the uh, just. Whenever anyone says Metroid Prime, this jumps in my head, and I know you'll know this. Uh, what is the so uh, one of the like bonus things you can do in the game is scan enemies. Yeah, yeah. And there's one enemy. Is it the ice bat? The ice bat. Okay, that you yeah. can only ah, scan look, I remembered. one I remembered. time. You have like five seconds to scan that ice bat. He comes right at you. Yeah, he yeah. flies right at you, and then you can't shoot him. You have to scan him and then shoot him. Yeah. So you have yeah, it's. There's to get hundred percent completion, there's a you few got one little part in that game. So if you win this game, look I, for that ice bat. That's one of the things is there are a few bosses that you only get a chance to scan once, right? Where yep. they're bosses. Yep. But Ice Bat's not. Ice Bat is just a, a regular random character. Dude in a hallway that's sort of attached like all the other bat characters yep. to a ceiling that yep. sort of just comes at you. So that's one of those kind of old school. If you want to be the completionist, it, it, you have to know. I had a checklist that I had downloaded off of IGN in the early days, the 100% oh, okay. completion checklist. And for I went through that Prime. game for Prime, and I went through there to, to do that. And I don't think you could do it without the checklist, because you had to know what you were going for ahead of time. Yeah, yeah. that's one of those things, if you make one mistake, all your progress is out the window. you yeah. got to start over. Yeah, you get that's 99.9. You don't get 100. Yeah. Uh, the other thing, just because, uh, so, yeah, in part four, because we've already gone through what we've been playing through, I guess uh, it's good to talk about, if we're giving away a game, it's good to talk about the memories of the game. But the memories of the game for Prime, for me, uh, specifically, is I didn't get a GameCube right away. Was Prime a launch game? Prime was not, no. It was close, though. It was I early th- days. I don't think it was real. It was, I, I don't think it was super early, because I remember what First happened. Year? I was working I was working for Nintendo, actually, yeah. when yeah, Prime yeah, yeah, came yeah. out. So you should know. And uh, it, it wasn't launch. I don't even know. It, it, was, it may have been first year. I, I don't okay. really think it was. But I do remember that it was shown at E3. Um, mm. one year and there was a demo that was attached to that and I remember we received that demo to actually show and we the day we got that it's like you could just play through the first section and it was sort of timed yeah. and if you went fast enough you could get through the whole first section yeah. and defeat the, the space slug the queen yeah, uh, sort of a hive queen or whatever it was and like me and a friend of mine Norm who was on the podcast we must have played through that like 
a billion times. times <laughs> he's he's a bigger Metroid fan than I am. And oh wow! It was you know that was huge. Like that game, yeah. that demo, everything was so good about it. Yeah. So we sure. would like kick kids off and we'd play <laughs> just it. play. Uh, but yeah, so for me, I didn't get my GameCube to really late. But um, my memory of this game is so when Blockbuster was in its like last kind of legs. Um, I remember one of their like gimmicks was they basically turned half the store into a game room and um, the blockbuster, the one nearest me, it had a big couch, it had a huge TV. Like at the time it was massive. Like it was like, I think the a biggest 50, tube TV they could make. No, it was yeah. like a 52 inch <laughs> rear projection. Yeah. Right. Which was like mind boggling at the time. And I think, it, I almost think it was widescreen in my brain. It's widescreen, but it probably wasn't. But anyway, one day I walked in there with my mom. She's looking for a movie or something for tonight. And I turned the corner and all of a sudden there's this giant game and Metroid Prime and nobody's in the store. And I'm like, this is good. And I, so I, I live here now. So yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I bring me popcorn. But <laughs> I, uh, I sat down and I played like uh, probably about the first level of Metroid Prime. And um, God, that, was that a, game has such a good intro. Oh, yeah. Like, like blew my mind. Yeah. Right. And uh, I, I'd never played a Metroid game before. I have never, I'd never picked up a GameCube controller before. Like none of my friends had one. And uh, yeah, just the blew me away. The blew atmosphere me away. of that beginning. And I'll never you're forget in that. The sh in the space pirate, space pirate ship. Yeah. And it's all like half destroyed. And all you find are bodies and like half dead space pirates. Yeah, it's like crazy, the man. atmosphere of that part and that game. That will always hold up to me. Yeah. yeah. It'll always stick with me. Any specific memories, Jordan? Yeah, I'm going to have to talk about a game that's not Metroid Prime. Just the <laughs> Metroid series in general is, is just a wonderful thing. I, I never got into the Prime series. I played through all of one and two and parts of three, and I never loved them the way that most people do. The way you guys talk about it, I just can't get behind that because it's essentially, it's, it's, a, it's a genre that already existed when it was creating its own genre in the 2D realm. It was such a the perfect Metroidvania. thing. Yeah. Like the Metroidvania, it's called Metroidvania for a reason. It predates the Castlevania of the Metroidvania. Mm, it created like that genre. Symphony of the Night was basically Metroid. Super Metroid, yeah. <laughs> yeah, which had already come out, and then there was Metroid. Like, there, there's always been the, um, even before Metroid, there was the, um, like, the dungeon crawler type genre, but Metroid was what really perfected it and made it perfect. Uh, for me, that's what Metroid is. Metroid, Super Metroid, and uh, I would say Zero Mission and Super Metroid are the two best in the, the whole series. Like, I would rather play uh, Zero Mission over any of the Prime games. Because I mean, to me, that's what Metroid really is. It's kind of like a tale of two Metroids. I mean, I can't disagree with anything They're you're totally saying. totally different. About, the, you know, them being great and sort of the core of the Metroid series. But to me, it's like, like the 2D Zeldas and the 3D Zeldas. Is that it's still all Zelda and it's still all good. Yeah. Like, there's, I can't really say, I can't really disparage one over the other just because, you know... I totally agree, except with the Zelda, there's been so many Zelda games, right? So they've kind of been able to jump back and forth. Mm. But with Metroid, it's almost been like... There hasn't been as many. They, it was almost like a line that they drew in the sand and they said, okay, now we're going to do this. And they've never really gone back to the uh, the original 2D. I think you might be just feeling hurt because as good as the Prime games were, now we get like Federation Force yeah. and Zero... No, not Zero Mission, but Other M. 
Okay. Yeah. yeah. So it's it's just it, they, they've, years they've dropped the ball quite a few times with the Metroid and, series. And, not and to that mention kind that, of hurts the 3D-ness well, of it and, overall. And the fact that they just celebrated the 30th anniversary of Metroid, and I don't really think Nintendo even acknowledged it. Yeah, That's it was kind of like Capcom with Mega Man. It's like, yeah. what are you doing? Like, like this is huge. Yeah, like, like Ghostbusters had a 30th anniversary, and that was a big deal. Yeah. But, you know, and Metroid, that should be a big deal it to everyone be, yeah. involved. Yeah, no Metroid, but uh, yeah, but we're giving away a great game, Metroid Prime. So <laughs> <laughs> to go to go back just to the giveaway, but um, good soundtrack on that too, by the way. Great yes. soundtrack, but yes. uh, yeah. So all you got to do, go to our Twitter at VGM Generations. Very easy to remember, and um, just retweet the tweet I put out about the podcast. Um, that's all you got to do, and then if you want a bonus entry. Um, if you really want to play Metroid Prime again, um, any of the episodes, GameCube, I guess, uh, any I'm of gonna, the episodes, I'm enter yeah. any of the episodes. That sounds like a great contest. <laughs> Aaron wants two copies of Metroid Prime. Uh, <laughs> It'll be like four for me. So yeah. Anyway, but uh, yeah, but uh, if you want a bonus entry, just leave a review in any of the um, any of the services. So iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud. Leave us a little quick review. Uh, helps us out and gets you a bonus entry. Um, if you want to contact us about anything else, uh, we have an email at VGM generate or sorry, <laughs> we have an email VGM generations at gmail.com. Um, yeah. And like Jordan said, retweeting on any of the four parts of the podcast for this month, will get you an entry or, and if you do it four times, you get four entries. So cool. Up, up the odds. There you go, Aaron. Go for it. Yeah, yeah there you go. Aaron. That's up right. To, up to five entries. Up to five I, entries. I'm going to, I got Actually, this locked to, down. I'm going to have technically it. up to eight. Because if you leave a review for every part, oh wow, that's another entry. Too. <laughs> oh. So up to eight entries. So there you go. Uh, but yeah, one one simple click on Twitter, I'll get it done. And for we'll you. announce next episode. And we'll announce next next episode who won. So as long as and then there'll enters. be a new contest next time. So one listener win this game. <laughs> that is what I'm telling you. But uh, hey, yeah, and, and shipping, then shipping's on, on shipping's on us. Yeah, Jordan. yeah. totally totally <laughs> free. So yeah, no, wherever you are in the world, we'll uh, Canada post that that mofo to you. So, uh, um, as long as they don't go, <laughs> as long as they don't go on strike, we've had some problems, but, uh, yeah, <laughs> that's it for part four of episode seven of VGM generations. Hope you all enjoyed all four parts and, uh, we'll talk to you next month. Farewell.